He got away from me again. Don't worry, Princess, I'll get him. He shouldn't be arrested. He should be rewarded. The Count would have succeeded if it hadn't been for Wolf. Maybe. But he came here to steal something, and I believe he did. Think about it. He stole something of yours. Your heart. Oh. Mm. Yes. So, I've got to catch him. After him, men! We can catch him if we hurry! back everyone you are listening to the me and my dad watch anime podcast where i hate to spoil your wedding plans but i'm here to steal the bride my name is drew and i'm here with my dad david greetings friends and this week we watch hayao miyazaki's lupin the third the castle of cagliostro but before we get into the show let's let the people know dad what are we under the influence of well i feel like i've picked a fitting wine Mm -hmm. this one's called castle rock Perfect. Has yes. one of the words right in it. Right. <laughs> and it's saying it's a 2016. I mean, this is an old old wine here. Wow. I can't wait to taste it. Yeah. Much like this movie, it'll be a, a good palate cleanser after the, the shit we had to swallow with Wicked City. So it, I'm yeah. ready to clean my mouth out. Same. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's give the... Yeah, let's let the, this one hit the glass. Let's let this one hit the glass. Very nice. Beautiful. Alrighty, uh, now that we're uh, brimming these glasses, I mean, it's a tall pour. Uh, what can you tell me about this movie? As our resident anime fact finder for this podcast, I know you've done your research. Well, this is where it all starts for Mizaki, as far as a, a director. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the, the movie is based on a Japanese manga series called Lupin the Third. Okay. And the series was written and illustrated by Kazahiko Kato, mm-hmm. better known by his pen name of Monkey Punch. Yeah, great, great pen name. Yeah, wonder I, I didn't look into the backstory of that one, but yeah, great, great name, yeah, Monkey it's, Punch. <laughs> it's catchy. The title character in the manga series is Arsene Lupin the Third, and it was inspired by. Um, and also proclaimed in the series to be the grandson of the French novelist Maurice LeBlanc's fictional character, Arsene Lupin, who supposedly is so good, he's able to even outsmart Sherlock Holmes. Wow. Yeah. So this is like super fan fiction. Yes. You're like writing a story about like Harry Potter's niece or something. Yeah. Well, he, he, he bests Sherlock Holmes, so he's, he's got to be quite a thief here. Yeah, he's definitely doing Now, due to the success of the prior movie... That was called the Mystery of Mambo. Mm-hmm. They greenlighted this one, and Miyazaki makes his debut as a theatrical movie director. Wow! And in addition, he was also a writer, designer, and a stor- uh, storyboardist on the movie. So he, much like uh, our director last week, he had his paws all over this one, maybe yeah. to not such detrimental degree. Yeah. And um, see now, Miyazaki had you know done some. Uh, co-directing of episodes of the first Lupin anime series mm-hmm. with um, Aseo Takahata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the two of them, along with uh, Toshio Suzuki, would, uh, you know, later form Studio Ghibli. Perfect. It yes. seems like Lupin was the uh, the stomping ground for all these great directors. Yes. And uh, the movie was released in 1979, so this goes way back. Wow. 
and it um, it didn't really fare well at the box office. And um, one of the complaints from the fans of the series was that Miyazaki changed Lupin to be more of a, a hero, mm-hmm. just living out of his Fiat 500, uh, where in the manga series, Lupin, I guess, is more of a dick, and he uh, drives a Mercedes-Benz SSK mm-hmm. because it was Hitler's favorite. What a... <laughs> What a choice. Yeah, exactly. Your whole personality is based yeah. on the things bad people least Yeah, like. I'm going to go buy a new car. What, what did Hitler like? Yeah. <laughs> Hitler wasn't that bad. He, uh, he also made uh, Jigen and uh, Goemon a uh, little bit more friendly and humorous, and he removed the erotic and sensual elements involving... Uh, Fujiko? Yeah, Fujiko. Yeah, she was seemingly the, the one who pretty much got out of this movie uh, the best out of all of them. She did get those plates at the end. And she got to keep her shirt on. So that was cool. <laughs> yes. And uh, the Streamline Pictures dub, which is, which is the one that we watched, mm-hmm. they needed to change Lupin's name to The Wolf due to uh, copyright issues with uh, Maurice LeBlanc's estate. I was very confused at that the first time I watched that movie. And then obviously, yeah, the, yeah. that information came around. But. That is funny. I guess what now the copyright is uh, over, so they could just do whatever they want. I guess so, because they made another dub and they they used the original name. So mm-hmm. I wonder where that dub is. We just had the one that was on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, exactly. But you know, was there uh, anything else? Um. Well, it's just you know overall now it's considered pretty much an anime classic, and uh, it's really you know influenced a lot of movies and animes. A lot of people. Uh, you know, consider it uh, a classic in terms of animation. Any uh, Rotten Tomatoes for us? Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes, actually. The critics had a rating of 95%. Wow. And uh, the audience had a rating of 88% based on 10,000-plus uh, reviews. Okay, so they were a little lighter on the uh, on the audience side. Yeah. And I think that'll probably reflect in my, my letterbox worst reviews here. Uh <laughs> Uh, I have uh, one and a half stars by David Zalason on January 21st, 2019. Sheen did not watch this. It is an illegitimate watch. He was super drunk and was not paying attention. I watched this and it sucks. Just another example of some random person being mentioned in a letterbox comment and uh, whoever is writing it seemingly being okay with just being. Yeah, Sheen, you illegitimate <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah. Why were you so drunk? Why couldn't you just watch this movie? It wasn't even worth it. An illegitimate watch. Yeah. That's, that's great. And which I guess kind of goes right into my uh, my second one. It's two stars by Ala Kazam on February 22nd, 2020. Let's be real. This one was sort of trash. And I I'm, wasn't too hot on this movie. You know, we were able to get whatever we could from it in terms of the podcast material, but... Yeah, but I wouldn't call it trash. Mm, yeah, it was a lesser Miyazaki. I can't remember a time where I was just not really interested in watching it, I suppose. Maybe Ponyo. Ponyo was kind of annoying, but I know you are a Ponyo Wait truther. a minute, yeah. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I freaking love Ponyo. <laughs> yeah, evidence shows that you do love Ponyo. Uh, another two stars by Kyle Nazario on June 2nd, 2019. This is pretty fun, but the princess sucks. And I agree. I uh, wasn't a big fan out of the the jailbait princess. I know she is, what, maybe 18, 19, but she was in a lot of weird positions in this movie and uh, wasn't really the best heroine, uh, for me at least. I didn't have a problem with her. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I guess this next comment kind of uh, speaks what I'm thinking. It's a two and a half stars by Lexa on February 7th, 2020. Give me more Grenade Girl. She's fun. I would have loved to say uh, see more Fuchiko mine, you know. Yeah. Hopefully she wouldn't be exploited anyway. You know, I would love a, a very wholesome Fujiko to come back, but <laughs> I would have liked to see her a little bit more than I would have uh, Clarice, who is just being spoken to like, uh, what, Hannibal Lecter the whole movie? Yeah. Clarice. <laughs> uh, two and a half stars by Party Poison on November 23rd, 2020. The chaotic bisexual version of James Bond. And this comment was uh, interesting to me just because I was trying to figure out who they were referring to. Who do you think is the the bisexual in that group? Is it Goemon? Is it Jigen, Lupin? Because I think it might be Jigen. Really? Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't really like girls. I mean, I know that he's misogynistic uh, in terms of, like, his character, but maybe that's just... Yeah, like but Lupin is pretty much playing the James Bond role. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. But I don't I don't understand where he's picking up on a bisexual nature. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just his wardrobe. He was very colorful. But even then, you know, you can dress nice. Uh, another two and a half stars by Patrick on October 19th, 2020. So Lupin's a pervert, yeah? Uh, and this is something that I was going to Could bring, be. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I was going to bring up in uh, my spotlight, but... You know, is he grooming these girls to commit crimes of some kind? Like, is he meeting young girls at a young age and, like, planting the seed that he's going to come back and rob them or something like that? Because something about the meeting her at nine and then coming back and making her fall in love with him felt weird to me. Yeah, but doesn't he come back after he, you know, figures out that the money is counterfeit, so... Yeah, I mean, it was the the animus between the journey uh, starting and him getting to where he got isn't necessarily one-to-one, but I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, another two and a half stars by Audrey on June 27, 2019. Not bad, but I think you have to watch Lupin 1 and 2 to get the full experience. I I think I would maybe like this movie more if I had more of a history with these characters because they seem to have a, a pretty deep backstory uh, or at least like a back catalog of stuff that would be fun to dip into. But Yeah, but you know the thing of it is is that Miyazaki basically changed the you know the characteristics of the characters mm-hmm. this is supposed to be like a post uh bad period for lupin like he's kind of grown up a little bit that's uh. what my kind of research has done he's he's <laughs> given up on wanting the grown-up lupin oh, yeah okay just making 19 year olds fall in love with you and being surprised that they're clingy uh and then finally three stars by ross Bembenek on january 23rd 2021 uh lupin's irrational confidence stresses me out and not only does he think he can pretty much do anything, he seemingly knows everything. The uh, exposition from Lupin was kind of weird in this movie where he, he knows all about the, the Cagliostro family history more so than Clarice or seemingly anybody. Yeah, He's like explaining the, the Roman city to her <laughs> right as she's seeing it. So, I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of questions with this movie. but uh, Well, he, he had some history. He'd been there before trying to get the treasure i guess so or the fortune maybe he swam under the lake maybe he had some sort of idea <laughs> uh well i guess now that we've uh, illuminated the internet's thoughts in this movie dad where would you like to shine your spotlight okay well w- when the movie opens you know you see the wolf and and jigen robbing the monte carlo casino yep and um <clears throat> apparently they've sabotaged all the cars and literally to the some of them are like sawed in half which that's 
that's you know really uh, a lot to think that they did all that to a car. They're but, thorough. I mean, that's how you make your. Although I read plan. something where they were saying Goemon, you know, with his katana somehow used that. To, where the fuck was Goemon then? Like, was he? Just... They actually somebody says if you watch, you can see him in the beginning scene or something. Really? Yeah, I I'll have to look at that again because I read that and then they were saying, oh yeah, that's why you see the car split in half because he used his katana. Goemon kind of is just like this group's ringer. Like his sword can cut through anything and they just call him in. He'll show up on some horseback and, you know, (laughs) be ready to go. And I thought it was ridiculous that they had so much money that it literally filled the whole car. I mean, there was no space in the car and the the whole car was filled with money. And then in an instant, Wolf realizes that the money's counterfeit. Yeah. Like just glances at it and says, oh, throw it all away. Yeah, why didn't he notice that when he was picking it up? If it I took know. that quickly, exactly. I and mean, also, he went through a whole, you know, the whole thing of stealing it and didn't notice at that point that it was all counterfeit. Yeah, either that or he was just lying to, you know, later, you know, leave to go to Cagliostro. But yeah, yeah, this was but all his master plan. <laughs> the, the thing of it is, is that this money was supposedly backed by the government. It's been in circulation for like all of history, practically. Yeah, so it's it's good to spend. Yeah, it is weird that he's just so willing to dip out. Like yeah. he's more concerned about the operation, and then he wants to take over the operation. It's just like, well, then you're just making the money that you just said is no good, so that you can use it. Mm-hmm. Seems sort of stupid. But... A lot of plot holes in this, <laughs> this movie yeah. we're finding. And um, as far as the the animation sequences, the car chase down the mountain was probably you know the highlight, mm-hmm. and then the final battle between Lupin and the Count and the Clock Tower. <clears throat> And the thing of it is, there's a long-standing rumor that Steven Spielberg saw the movie, and uh, when it was shown at the Cannes uh, Film Festival, mm-hmm. and he called it uh, one of the greatest car chase sequences he had ever filmed, and also the greatest adventure movie of all time. Wow, I uh, I saw it's those obviously two. a rumor, and it's unsubstantiated. Yeah, I saw those things too. I wish uh, Steven Spielberg would just come out right and say that he's a Miyazaki stan like the rest of us, but I guess he's a little bit more cagey with his compliments. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think I only had one spotlight, um, just because I had mentioned my other one of uh, Lupin being a, a maybe a groomer for these young girls to rob their families, but henchmen just can't shoot for shit, and this is tried and true. You see this in pretty much any movie where a, a henchman is involved. And you have to wonder... You know, obviously in the sequence when Lupin is uh, in the clock tower, there's all those people shooting at him and there's a couple of other instances. But you have to imagine that these people are like the best of the best. Like they're hired for that job specifically. They're trained to shoot. And then as soon as they get on the battlefield, as soon as they're actually like in action, they can't hit a fucking, you know, the broadside of a barn. I know. They must have some sort of mental breakdown at the end of the day. It's like, I was the best shot for five years in Naval Academy. (laughs) Like, what the fuck happened? Well, it was funny when they were on the roof. And, um, you know, what's his name? Jodo Mm -hmm. starts firing on him. I mean, literally, he just sprays bullets all around him, never hits him once. Well, yeah, even with uh, Clarice, like, over him, too. exactly. It's bizarre. Which I don't understand why he was firing with Clarice, you know, sitting right there with the ring and everything. Maybe it was just to scare him. (laughs) A couple rounds from a machine gun. Well, then he is a pretty good shot because he... Yeah, I guess <laughs> purposely tried to miss them. I guess Jodo was the only one who got his uh, sharpshooting badge. Uh, so, Dad, now that we've laid the foundation of this movie, what were some of your takeaways or unintentional lessons? Well, I think the key 
is uh, money is definitely the root of all evil. For sure. And uh, never trust a thief. Not only will he steal your money, he may steal your heart. <laughs> That's the most dangerous kind. <laughs> yeah. The one who will pickpocket you and also give you a smooch. Yeah. And uh, it seems like forced weddings never work. No, yeah, that's pretty... Forced anything uh, seems like it's not going to work. Yeah. And it seems like katanas apparently beat out guns. As Jigen's bullets just bounce off ninjas, but, you know, go in sword. Basically is able to work magic on them. I think it's like a special type of sword. For of my, course. Yeah, it's like yeah. a research that I did. He's like, cut, can cut anything. Yeah. To comic effect. Of course, there's always that classic Japanese sword that's, you know, super sharp, that can cut through anything. So. Mm -hmm. Like I said, beats out guns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any more? That's it. All righty. Well, I kind of, uh, I'm going to hit the same point. Silent consent is just not a thing. Uh, in the case of the Count, there should be nothing sexier than an emphatic yes, but when I guess it comes to unveiling a, a secret treasure, maybe um, maybe consent is not really the thing you really I care know, about. That was most. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> or, or we take it that your silence has freaking, you know, basically saying that you're okay with this. Yeah, that was uh, a big stretch by that whole uh, ceremony there. Yeah. Um, and then my second takeaway and my last... Politicians are always lying, and uh, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of what my, my political leanings are, but it's essentially a stereotype at this point that almost every politician is corrupt or at least getting their pockets lined by some sort of outside force. Uh, you know, long story short, where the fuck is my $2,000, Joe Biden? Because I was promised two Gs, and I'm not seeing that in my bank account. Uh, yeah. I have weed I need to buy. I'm fucking tweaking out, but... <laughs> Uh, I know. Forget about the deep state. I mean, the Cagliostro family was behind the mother of all conspiracies. Yeah, 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 yeah. From that the was... Great Depression, the World Wars, the fall of Napoleon. It's too bad. They just got to get better at reading counterfeits. So, Dad, we've reached the question section of our podcast. The uh, the Vipers are doing their pregame stretches. The, the referee's getting a, a deep tissue massage on that thumb because that thing is heavy. But uh, most importantly, are you ready? I am. Already perfect. So, entry number one. In a 1981 interview with director Miyazaki, while discussing Lupin's age and his portrayal of women in the film, Miyazaki stated that if he were to able to return to the Lupin franchise, he would like to do it on his own terms, and it would feature Lupin's daughter as the protagonist. If I make a story of Lupin's daughter, I can give it all and create it now, she said. If Lupin had a daughter somewhere, she does not know who her father is, she lives in a boarding school somewhere, she plays in a rock band and wears a bunny costume without hesitation, she practices some karate but plays a violin alone in a quiet room. A weirdo, indeed. Then there will be Fujiko's niece, but she'll be an airhead and tries to use her sex appeal too much and gets into too much trouble. If you pair them up and create a story, I think it would be fun, but nobody takes me seriously. Entry number two. In an interview released shortly after the film's debut, director Miyazaki stated that during pre-production, when some of the finer details were being researched, he and animator Yasuo Atsuka, who assisted the director throughout the film, attended a car show together in Tokyo, Japan. It was only after seeing an old Fiat 500, which was Atsuka's first car, and a Citroen 2CV, which was Miyazaki's first car, did they decide to use them for the characters of Lupin and Clarice during their car chase. We tried to buy them from one of the presenters, said Miyazaki. 
We were prepared to pay good money, because Atsuka-san and I wanted to race them for old time's sake. But to our disappointment, they weren't for sale. We had to use our imaginations instead to remember what they were like behind the wheel, which was too bad, because I would have really loved to have my old Citrion back. Entry number three. While the final product of the film is a far departure from what Lupin fans would expect, it was revealed during a 2019 oral history for the film's 40th anniversary that director Miyazaki was prepared to give fans exactly what they were looking for. After a conversation I had with Kato-san, which is in brackets the Monkey Punch creator, I began the project with the hope of creating a faithful adaptation. I storyboarded what would have been a rated R Lupin, but I chickened out the first chance I got. I think I wrote a scene where Lupin tries to take advantage of Clarice while she's sleeping, but it didn't sit well with me, and I scrapped the entire thing, much to Monkey-san's displeasure. And then finally, entry number four. Faced with only a four-month production time and limited financial support, Miyazaki was faced with many constraints while making the castle of Cagliostro. But during an interview in 1984 while doing press for the release of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Miyazaki shared a surprising detail about Clarice and his would-be protagonist Nausicaa. When I was writing Cagliostro, I was really using whatever I could get my hands on to make the story work. The idea for the story came from the girl with the green eyes and ghost tower, but Clarice was supposed to be a creation of my own doing. At the time, I was only toying with the idea of what would become Nausicaa, but I had already drawn a model of what she might look like. Because I didn't believe anything would ever come out of it, I used the concept for Nausicaa for, as Clarice, and then when Nausicaa happened, I simply used it again just because I liked it so much. Dad, off the coin flip, what do you think is a lie? I think the one about making <laughs> the, uh, what was it, the R-rated? Mm-hmm. Rated R Lupin? Yeah. I don't think Miyazaki would have done that. Well, you are correct. Miyazaki would never do that. He would never harm a woman yeah. in a movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're down to three. Are you feeling strongly about any of the others? Yeah, I don't think he was trying to buy the two cars. Mm-hmm. I think that one is uh, a lie. That is also a lie. So you, we got uh, two left. We're down to the final two. It is uh, the uh, Fujiko's niece and uh, Lupin's daughter teaming up in a sequel or the the reused model for Nausicaa. Yeah, for Nausicaa. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Nausicaa. As a lie or as the truth? I'm going to say it's a lie. Dad, you are correct. So you have won the possession of the ball, and we're not going to be giving up three points before we uh, send it about, over. I was about to go with it as a truth, and then all of a sudden at the end I just said, no, because I think we had sort of talked about that. Did that we? They, yeah, that the characters looked similar. Oh, yeah. I guess I uh, <laughs> I try not to show my cards yeah, before we have right. this podcast, yeah. but that might have slipped by. Well, now that we uh, know where the ball is going, Patrick Erskine is ready to take the field. It's uh, game day today, Super Bowl Sunday, and we're here to play a round of Were You Paying Attention? Before we start, let's send this one over to my co-host for the pregame update. Let's hit him with those horns, Joe. Welcome inside the Zoom broadcast booth, everybody. I'm Joe Bob. Coming to you live from Texas Dow Employees Credit Union Stadium in Rootin' Tootin' Houston, Texas. 
We're anticipating a great game between the Houston Roughnecks and the Tampa Bay Vipers, where XFL newcomer Patrick Vanellitainer Skine is looking to redeem himself after throwing the game-tying interception last week against St. Louis. The official report from the league was that the referee committee had some sort of collective brain hemorrhage because the game ended without any consideration of overtime. Nonetheless, he'll be put to the test as he's thrown against the lawman himself. TT hung like a puppy St. Andrews. <laughs> Back to you, Drew. Hung like a puppy. Oh, God. It feels like they have no shame in the XFL. No. All of their dirty no. secrets are kind of just aired out publicly in their whole... <laughs> Introduction. No one knows that better than myself, Villanelle yeah. Taint. <laughs> Beaver Tainer Scott. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Dad, first question. When Lupin and Jigen make their escape from the casino, we see a shot of their license plate. What was that plate? Is it A, R33, B, G11, C, D39, or D, T20? I just want to let you know, I did a lot of, you know, watching film this week. Yeah, you were paying attention. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I mean, film of the opposing team and also the movie. But. Uh, <laughs> the Patriots can't believe they had you. This, the, the, your performance these last couple of weeks, so I'm glad you're working in the film room. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to get serious now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's A, R33. All righty, Joe. Let's uh, let them hear it. Thanks, Drew. Herskine is coming out focused and ready after last week's game-costing interception, sending his team home with the league's first tie. If you were on Twitter after the game, you might have witnessed a corrosive exchange between Vanilla Taint and I tweet with my Dick Jeffries. <laughs> after the Battlehawk safety tweeted a picture of his penis to Patrick's younger sister, Svetlana Vanderpup Erskine. To the delight of Battlehawks fans and to the chagrin of her older brother, Svetlana would then go on to retweet the picture causing quite a stir on social media. Nonetheless, he's trying to get that pick and that dick out of his mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pissed. Erskine's at the line and drops back. Four-man rush, and there's pressure. Vanilla Taint sidesteps, ducks under an arm, and now he's running for more time. He pumps. Now he pulls it down. Now he throws a lightning bolt right at the line of scrimmage, and it's caught! Manfred Coochie Man Clemens off the practice field and now off to the races. He's going to take this one for a huge gain. Shimmy shaking his way for a Vipers first down. Yoo! Coochie Man Clemens <laughs> off the practice man. field making a play. All right, question number two. After they peel off their disguises to enter the kingdom of Cagliostro, we learn from Lupin that it is the world's smallest nation with a population of how many people? Is it A? 3,300, B, 3,400, C, 3,500, or D, 3,600. Get ready, people. It's C. All righty, Joe. What's that update? Drew Erskine and the Vipers' law are lined up in their big gun package. Two receivers on either side and their man Juicy Thighs Ricardo split out back. Erskine hikes the ball. The defense shows blitz. Now they're backing off. Erskine's got time, but the coverage is tight, and it's only getting tighter. Vanilla Taint sidesteps in the pocket and throws an ice-cold rope downfield, and he's going to squeeze it in there. BJ Slurpy Derby Testarossa with the touchdown, reaching into his bag and securing an incredible catch for the Vipers. All right, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Slurpy Derby. <laughs> Slurp it up. Yeah, 
Yeah, dude. I don't know how he got that name, but Slurpy that's... Slurpy Derpy. <laughs> I mean, I guess his first name is BJ, so <laughs> oh, maybe no. he's got a reputation in the locker room oh, for boy. helping his team de-stress. Yeah. Uh, question number three. We have another chance to tack on another seven points if you can nail this one. In his early efforts to steal the princess's heart, Lupin gives her a flower and unravels a string of flags. Sweden was the first flag. What was the second? Was it A, Germany, B, Norway, C, France, or D, Japan? Oh, man. I remember the flags, but there's no way I know what the countries. Um, Some are more identifiable than others. I'm going to go with Germany. All righty, Joe. Let's hear it. Drew, the Tampa Bay line is looking winded out there, and this Vipers offense can't get the ball moving. After a stuff at the line on first, and back-to-back sacks on second and third, the Vipers are punting this back with some time in the clock, and the Roughnecks are in prime position to punch in another field goal before we send this one into halftime. So, Dad, we're up uh, 7-3. to three, but What was it, Japan? It was Japan. <sighs> yeah, he was uh, maybe shouting out Sweden first, but he definitely had to get the home country in there after. <laughs> Dad, we were at the halftime interview. How are you feeling at this point? We're holding on to a slim four-point lead. I'm feeling good, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the film room, so. You're not getting, uh, you know, out of your mind with these uh, these Twitter altercations? You're sticking? No. <laughs> in the game? Believe me, when I, uh, what's his name? Uh, tweet with my dick reference. Yeah. Tweet with my dick. <laughs> <laughs> you, better be, you better be careful when he freaking tries to freaking blitz because I'm going for you. Yeah, next time the Battlehawks play, hopefully he doesn't blitz towards your sister. That's really the problem. Yeah. <laughs> He's making a move on your uh, your family in Slovenia. Uh, <laughs> All righty, we're coming back after halftime with question number four. As Lupin walks through the underground tunnels beneath the castle, he encounters the gravestone of Japanese military spy Kawakami who died in the year 1904. What day did he die on? Is it A, 314, B, 1210, C, 17, or D, 524? Oh, crap. It was right next to the date on the gravestone. I'm going to say it was 1210. All righty, let's hear it, Joe. First drive of the second half, and the Vipers look deflated coming out of halftime. A couple of poorly thrown balls cost Erskine a chance to move things along. And Bernie, I married my cousin Stackhouse, isn't doing much better. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the ball right back into the arms of the Vipers for a quick turnaround. So, uh, Bernie, I married my cousin Stackhouse, the uh, the quarterback of the Roughnecks. Uh, turned it right over, so at least we're holding on to that lead. He is a rookie. I don't know if I was able to mention that. In, yeah, I can't, Joe was I can't to lose that. to this guy. <laughs> yeah, he married his fucking cousin. What, what was the date? It was, uh, it was... Number A, it was 314. Alrighty, question number five. Once he and Zenigata discover the counterfeits, Lupin expounds that the Cagliostro influence ruined what French dynasty? Is it A, Lancaster, B, Bourbon, C, Velois, or D, Capet? I believe it was B, Bourbon. Alrighty, Joe, what's going on? Drew, the Vipers are running out of chances, and Vanilla Tane is looking to keep this offense moving towards the end zone. Erskine starts under center. Now he's backing off, and he's going to take this one from the gun. 
The ball a snap. It's a fake to Juicy Thighs and Erskine pump fakes. Now he's going to sail it on a quick throw and he's got a man wide open coming across the field. The safety lost sight of him and Gaylord Toe Sucker Babbitt is going to have some room to keep running. He's at the 45, 40. He spins out a defender when his jockstrap is on the ground. He's going to cut it back inside. 35, 30, 25, 20. Now he's got two defenders draped all over him and Gaylord Toe Sucker Babbitt is going to push through for a first down, Vipers. Nice. Osaka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who I really Gaylord is like what? Gaylord Falkers was the the original joke there, but like where was that name at its peak is really what I would like to know. <laughs> well, uh dad, we have a chance to put this one away or we have a chance to really uh I guess give it away. Uh but we're on our last question. So question number 6. When Lupin is discovered by Carl and a young Clarice he reveals that he met her at what age? Is it A, 7, B, 8, C, 9, or D, 10? I believe it was C, 9. Alrighty, what's that final update, Joe? Drew, the score is 7 to 3, and this is Tampa Bay's last chance to score after Gaylord Toesucker Babbitt's superhuman effort. They've got great field possession, and the clock is on their side. Patrick surveys the defense under center with the split backfield and his receivers bunched. Now Videla Taint drops back. Juicy Thighs takes off and the fullback picks up a block. The pocket is crumbling to pieces and the coverage is tight. But look at this. Erskine is going to take this one for himself. He's got the first down. He's now looking for a block to come around the corner. Time is running down. It's going to be close. And look, Erskine delivers the fuck you stiff arm yeah. right to the face of hung like a puppy St. Andrews. And now Videla Taint is going to die for the pylon. Touchdown, Vipers! Wow. The fuck you stiff arm. Hung like a puppy. Just didn't have a chance, dude. Damn small dick motherfucker. I was going to freaking put it. (laughs) Small dick motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, dude. All that beef, all that muscle is not going to help you in the... uh, There's nothing you can do to make your dick fat like that. So that's too bad for TT. (laughs) But now that we've uh, secured ourselves a victory and we've uh, redeemed ourselves after uh, last week's effort... We're going to head back to the locker room, try to cool down a little bit. Uh, maybe, you know, jump in the ice bath, have a little bit of this wine Gatorade. But we're going to play uh, a game of Would You Rather. You ready? I love that wine Gatorade. That's <laughs> <laughs> what they're going to be uh, pouring over our coach when we win the Super Bowl, for yeah. sure. So, first, Would You Rather. Would you rather make every decision based on rock, paper, scissors, or carry all your money, all the money that you have, in the bank and everything, on you at all times? So the first one could be, you know, something small. Uh, small decisions, you're having, like, dis- uh, discussion of what to have for dinner. Or it could be the big ones, too. Anything is going to come down to a rock, paper, scissors. Or you straight up have all your money on you. You could lose it. You could be robbed. But it has to be on your person. <laughs> you got to sleep with it, too. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want to be carrying all that cash. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that $100. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things but, are worse off in the diverse family than yeah, we like yeah. to show. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, psh, rock, paper, scissors, let's do it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is, was uh, an easy one that I front-loaded just because there was spare pickings with this movie, but I think the rock, paper, scissors would be uh, my choice there, too. Okay. So would you rather, number two, would you rather live as a human stool 
or be a full-time butler for an incontinent host. So imagine for the first one, you're uh, recruited by some sort of lucrative billionaire. Like you get some sort of message in the, uh, or you just read like something in the newspaper, like a, a help wanted. And you go up to this big mansion, it's this billionaire guy, and he just has like a whole living room full of people who are just furniture. And that's your shift. You have to strip down naked. Uh, you have to act as a, a stool for this man or a seat wherever. <laughs> Why do I have to strip down naked? Well, because the furniture doesn't wear clothes <laughs> unless you're dressing up, you know, unless you're standing. I saw your... that part in the movie where that one dude like gets down on his hands and knees and he uses him as a stool. Uh-huh. And he didn't need to be naked. Well, in this one that you would have to be. You would have to be naked with all these other furniture people. Or, like I said, you're going to have to be uh, the full-time butler for a host who is pooping, uh, can barely dress himself. You got to feed him. It's essentially just taking care of a big baby, but it doesn't seem like he's going to die anytime soon. He's almost like a Mr. Burns. Yeah. I'm going to go with the stool because I'm just not going to be cleaning up piss and shit all day. I think I would also go with the stool. It would probably be some like good camaraderie. Like, it's a little humiliating, but n- not as worse as, you know, yeah. the incontinent host. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing with the, the stool thing, like, you, you're probably going to make some buddies. Like, it's just you and all the other people who are working this furniture. Yeah. And then you guys are off your shift. You go get a fucking drink in downtown Cagliostro. It's yeah. it's a good time. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being a stool, too. So, I mean, yeah, probably not even being used all that often. Well, I mean, I guess if he's like a, a short, uh, he needs help getting up to like <laughs> <laughs> shelves and shit. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going with the human stool. All right. Would you rather live your life as a princess in a castle tower or... Uh, be haunted by a spirit from the past. So for the first one, you get to live like a life of luxury. You essentially get to be a princess. Uh, but there are some stipulations. You do always have to wear like a, a princess's dress. <laughs> and once a week, a creepy cat will come into the tower and like fondle your nuts or something like that. Like <laughs> You're being there held against your will. You have, you know, you could try to escape. But in the same way that the count is looking for Clarice, uh, he's going to be coming after you like that. Or with the spirit thing, I guess this house is maybe buried on some sort of uh, graveyard or an Indian burial ground. Uh, and one day it just comes up and you're going to be haunted by this ghost. Um, yeah, I'm not going to. I don't want to be in a in a castle tower. I mean, it sounds nice, life of luxury. But mm-hmm. if you can't leave, I mean, that's not really much of a life. Yeah. And then the, you know, the fondling of the ball shit. That, come on now. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, uh, I'm trying to think if it's worth The creepy count really, you know, eliminates that one right yeah. uh, off the top. And, you know, whatever. A ghost. But he could, you know, he could possess somebody, dude. Like, he could yeah. take over my body when I'm here for the podcast, start spitting up goo. No. Stabbing myself in the dick with a cross or something like that. No. No, he's not a Pazuzu. No, he's not. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I would like to think that I would be able to tolerate the princess thing for, like, a week. But as soon as, like, I'm just woken up by somebody grabbing a hold of my nuts, <laughs> I think that would be pretty... Uh, I, I would be jumping out that window, or at least trying to get out. Uh, would you rather tickle every waitress or waiter, because we don't discriminate here, uh, or, yeah, every waiter or waiter you uh, you meet. So anytime you, in a post-COVID world, you would go to a, a restaurant, you have to try to tickle your your, your your waiter or waitress. Or 
have to wear uh, an article clothing that is rigged to explode every single day and you don't know which one but you will get some sort of like beeper going off to kind of like locate it before it pops off and it's not going to be uh you know a horrible explosion it's going to be more of just like a firecracker almost or like a, a bottle rocket or something like that and you're getting tipped off that it's going to explode well there will be like a countdown and you'll have to try to figure out what it is on your body before it shoots off i will say that it will burn you if it does explode it'll be like a burn but you're not going to lose an arm um, I guess I'm going to have to tickle every waitress. I guess I'm probably not going to go, you know, I mean, that could, that could get you in some trouble, but for um, sure. But I guess I'm just not going to be eating out a lot. Yeah. If ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even post, uh, you getting a vaccine, you, you're just not allowed to go to restaurants. I, I mean, don't think you're allowed. To I don't them. want to deal with the, the explosion every day. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I can assor- I can sort of avoid the waitress and, uh, and the waiter. Yeah, I guess you aren't like inclined to go out to eat all the time. No. <laughs> you do have well, a drive. now that you know with COVID, I haven't been out to eat in God knows a year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is you know all these questions are in a, in a better place, so in a more normal <laughs> world. Maybe not this last question though. Uh, would you rather have a motion sensor laser gun in your toilet that zaps your balls every time they're in sight, or live out of your car? but you can only poop and pee inside of the car. <laughs> so you're, you can travel cross country. You can have a great time in your uh, little Kia Rondo, whatever, but all your, all your bathroom duties have to be done inside the car, whether it is while you're driving, obviously, or while you're not. I mean, the other one is, is like a, a bidet, but it's a laser gun. You pull down your pants. They see your nutsack. It's going to give you a little right on the, <laughs> right on the scrotum. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't want anything zapping my balls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously it sucks living out of your car, but I mean, you know, obviously you would poop or pee in a, mm-hmm. you know, bag or pee in a bottle or something like that. I'm gonna change the question right now and oh, say no. that <laughs> I'm gonna say that you you, you can't, can't poop use, or no no, no 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 you can't change it. It has to. The car has to be moving. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to poop or pee, the car has to be. Well, here's the thing. I would definitely rig something up Mm -hmm. so that I would avoid, you know, this. You'd have a poop shoot? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have a poop shoot. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the Flintstones footholes. It's just like a big hole for your ass (laughs) right in the seat. (laughs) That'd be crazy driving behind somebody and all of a sudden you just see like a big fucking shit in the middle of the road. It's like, where did that come from? And then a trail of piss and you know (laughs) it's from the poop shoot. Yeah, I uh, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, the, the zapping of the nuts. That's maybe like a dominatrix thing. Like, it'd be fun for one time, like getting maybe like wax poured on it or something. But I don't know if I want that every time I take a poop. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to take a, a high-speed uh, dump, unfortunately, in my camera. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dad, now that we've, uh, we've cooled down, we're going to – Take this this victory party downtown. We're hitting up the Houston strip clubs. I mean, I know we were maybe <laughs> seeing uh, James Harden here a couple weeks ago, but he's no longer. And you're you're you looking know to how take I love over. my strip clubs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Vanilla Taint. <laughs> Vanilla Taint loves those strippers. Uh, and while we're uh, probably looking forward to that first lap dance or maybe our first drink, we're actually going to be looking forward to where these characters might go next. Uh, we're going to dive right into our Ghibli All Grown Up. And just because we had so much fun doing it last week, 
my dad and I just wanted to do another skit for you guys. So hopefully uh, it, it measures up to <laughs> the Wicked City misandry zone. But uh, we did have some fun with this one. So. Yeah. Dad, let's set the scene. Let's do it. The film opens soon after the events of Cagliostro. Jigen and Lupin are back on the lamb after escaping from Zenigata, and they've stowed themselves and their Fiat 500 away on a cargo ship. It's nighttime. Waves are crashing against the hull of the ship, and Lupin kicks open the storage container that he, Jigen, and the Fiat are hiding in. Christ, Jigen! What did I tell you about farting inside the cargo box? Sorry, Wolf. That slop we swiped from the mess deck is running right through me. Well, burn a match or something. Lupin steps out onto the deck and leans up against the ship railing. Jigen joins him and the two light up a cigarette. So where's this thing even headed? Looks like we're on our way back to America. Isn't the FBI still looking for us after we stole the Statue of Liberty? Everybody's looking for us. That's the fun of being a master thief. But do we have a plan? A score? My trigger finger starts getting twitchy when you keep this stuff from me. You just leave that to me, Jigen. Our old friend the Count and his black hoods gave me a good idea. Isn't that the opposite of what I just said? Jigen farts loudly and Lupin scowls at him. Sorry. We cut forward to the ship's arrival in Galveston, Texas. Inside the shipping container, Lupin and Jigen wait for a crane to lower their cargo box into the port. And as it touches ground, the Fiat bursts through the doors and they're off, back on the road again. They drive for a time, but eventually they come to a stop before an old southern bar, where they can hear loud country music playing through the walls. Now this looks familiar, Jigen. Let's stop here. Where's here? Just pull over. I'm starving. The two step inside to see the bar is packed with rowdy patrons, ranch hands and good old boys drinking Budweiser's mingling with a creepier sort of clientele, the type you would see running away from the cops on to catch a predator. Lupin and Jigen give each other a look and find themselves a booth where a waitress greets them soon after. Howdy fellers, what can I get you? I'll take a beer. I'll have the same, unless your number's on the menu of course. Another sweet talker, huh? Just like every other guy in this bar. But I'm not like every other guy, sweetheart. And besides, what's the occasion? Is it always this busy? Not always. But we got a lot of folks in town for the big celebration this weekend. Celebration for what? People are calling it the biggest birthday bash in the South. The governor's daughter Tiffany is turning 18. And he's invited the whole state to join in the party. They even say Conway Twitty's going to be there. An 18th birthday, huh? Huh. That explains all the tourists. The governor has a reputation of being real old-fashioned. Rumor has it he's hoping to find a suitor for his daughter before she goes off to college. Lupin can feel the eyes of some of the patrons looking his way, but he continues the conversation as if he didn't. You gotta always worry about those college boys, but I don't know if these folks are much better. Well, I suppose the governor's got a good reason to be picky, considering she's the heir to the Confederate fortune. The what? Rumor has it he made all his money on the gold bars Jefferson Davis hid away before he was captured by the Union. Some even say he and the governor are blood-related. Huh. 
No shit. Thanks for the rundown, sweet cheeks. Lupin slaps the waitress on the ass as she leaves to grab their drinks, and when he turns back to the table, he sees Jigen with his arms full. What? Don't play dumb with me, Wolf. I'm the only one who doesn't know what's going on, and I don't like it. Come on, Jigen. Why can't you ever be just down for the ride? Because usually the ride involves me getting shot at. You knew that girl was turning 18, and I bet you knew her daddy was sitting on all that gold too. I bet you've even been to this bar before. Would you believe me if I said I forgot to mention it? Just as Lupin gives Jigen a wolfish smile, they hear a bar stool hit the ground and the music cuts off. They turn to see a man on his feet pointing in their direction. Hi you! Aren't you the guy that fucked my wife? Another patron stands. Then another, and another. Hey! He fucked my wife too! That guy fucked my sister! And my mama! Lupin gulps. Jigen, let's get out of here! Lupin and Jigen jump through a nearby window and escape to the Fiat, zooming off in the direction of the birthday party to be. We then cut to the governor's mansion on an old southern plantation where the governor is sitting alone in an office heavily decorated with Confederate regalia. In his fingers, he flips what we know to be Lupin's calling card. Behind him, there's a knock at the door. What is it? A butler peeks in his head. You have a visitor, sir. Send them away. He says he's with the police. In that case, send him in. The butler opens the door and in walks Inspector Zenigata. Hmm. I was expecting the sheriff. Who are you? Mr. Governor, my name is Inspector Zenigata. I'm an officer with the International Police and I'm in your state on a special assignment. I've been informed that you recently received a letter of sorts. Is that correct? How did you know about that? Word spreads quickly in my line of work. If you would be so kind, would you mind reading me the message? I'd rather not. Please, Mr. Governor, I'm here on the trail of an international thief, and I believe he and the person who left you that note are one and the same, but I have to be sure it was him. The governor sighs deeply and begins to read the note. You racist, white supremacist piece of shit. Sorry to ruin your birthday bash but I'm going to drag my balls across your daughter's forehead and steal all your gold. Smell you later. Love, Lupin III. With your permission, I'd like for myself and my men to be allowed to survey this celebration as a means of protecting you and your family. That's very kind of you, but I think I'll have to pass. I have all the protection I need. The sheriff is going to be in attendance, as will most of the force. And no offense, Mr. Zenigata. I don't think it'd be good for the party's atmosphere if a Chinaman and his merry band of red soldiers were snooping around with their guns drawn, looking for a prankster. Mr. Governor, aside from being Japanese, I truly insist you accept our help, only as an extra precaution. Lupin isn't one to be underestimated. You can leave that worrying to me, Inspector. Jeeves. Yes, sir? Please show our guest here the door. Zenigata frowns at the governor and adjusts his tie. No need, Jeeves. I'll see myself out.
We then cut forward to the night of the party. The mansion grounds are swamped with guests, and a trail of cars and trucks stretch out for miles down the mansion's entry road. On the lawn, there's mechanical bulls, Stetsons, loud Chevys with beer-stuffed tailgates, cowboy boots, flannels, and Confederate flags as far as the eye can see. Against the governor's wishes, we spot Zenigata in his best cowboy disguise with his men in tow. And the only thing we can't see is the governor's daughter, who's nowhere to be found. The camera then focuses on a stretched limousine with a pair of bullhorns on the grill. The limo pulls up to the entry gate and is quickly ushered in. At the mansion's front staircase, the doors are open and out steps country legend Conway Twitty, wearing an all-pink suit and his hair slicked back. Conway taps the window and the limo pulls away, and the governor makes his way down the stairs to be the first person to greet him. Mr. Twitty, sir, it's such an incredible honor to have you here. Don't mention it, Mr. Governor. You've been doing great work for this state, and I'm just here to show my support for your daughter. Where is the birthday girl? Well, she's still getting ready, but I know she would be delighted if you went up and said hello. My, that sounds like a grand idea. I'll give her a knock after I excuse myself to the little boy's room. The bathroom is upstairs, and the room is just down the hall. Conway shakes the governor's hand and gives him a wink before heading inside. Once the door shuts behind him and the coast is clear, Conway pulls back on his perfectly coiffed hair to reveal that it's actually Lupin in disguise. Lupin then races up the stairs and makes his way to Tiffany's bedroom, only to find himself harassed by a small white dog, a Bichon Frise, yapping at his ankles. Sorry, Poochie. If you were expecting Conway, then I'm sure you're disappointed to see me. The Bichon snarls and jumps up, taking a bite of Lupin's ass. The dog has a strong hold and Lupin covers his mouth as he tries to shake the dog loose, but it's no use. And thinking on his feet, Lupin grabs the dog's head and wedges it between his butt cheeks before ripping the wettest fart. The Bichon instantly lets go and yelps in the opposite direction, and the door to Tiffany's bedroom opens. Who the fuck just ripped ass outside of my room? Lupin recomposes himself and grins at her. I think your dog has to use the bathroom. Standing in the doorway, Tiffany looks unsteady on her feet. And in her free hand, we see she's holding a half-emptied wine bottle. And who are you supposed to be? Tiffany, don't you recognize me? We met when you were seven years old. You helped me recover after I was struck by a bull's horn. Tiffany scrunches up her face. Are you one of my dad's friends or something? Not exactly. My name's Lupin the Third. at your service. So you're the guy who said he was going to teabag me? Uh, more or less. I said that mostly to get a rise out of your old man. Lupin hears a group of voices down the hall. Mind if I come in? Tiffany steps aside and Lupin enters the room. The door is closed and Tiffany takes another swig from the bottle and sits on the floor. All right, Mr. Lupin the Third, Whip him out before I sober up. Actually, Tiffany, that won't be necessary. I'm hoping you could point me in the direction of your old man's treasure. Don't you want to see me? I'm a damsel in distress. In distress of what? My dad wants to sell me off to one of his KKK buddies to keep the Confederate bloodline pure. This party is just one big clan meeting, which is totally fucked because I love black guys. That sounds tough, birthday girl. But that's really not my problem. 
he's going to be your problem if you don't help me. Lupin rolls his eyes. Fine, fine. It's only fair after you help me. Good. Now first things first. Balls out or I'm going to scream. Lupin gulps, and the camera cuts to the governor observing the party. Pushing through the crowd, we see Zenigata and his men close behind. Mr. Governor! Mr. Zenigata, what did I say about intruding on my daughter's seminal day? You should be much more worried about the seminal fluid, Mr. Governor, because the man you just let inside your home is an imposter. What are you saying to me? That was country music star Conway Twitty. Don't you got country music in China? For the last time, Mr. Governor, I'm Japanese. And it might come as a surprise to you, but my men just found the real Conway Twitty tied up in an outhouse about half a mile from here. The governor's eyes go wide and he calls out for the sheriff. And he and Zenigata run inside with the rest of Interpol and the police force in tow. When they reach Tiffany's bedroom, they see it's empty. But after closer inspection, they notice the window open. They look down the side of the building to see a grappling hook. And running away from the scene is what appears to be Conway Twitty. Get that imposter! The camera tracks the governor and Zenigata as they lead the others in pursuit. After a short chase, they're able to wrangle the imposter Conway to the ground. They pull off his disguise only to uncover that it's actually Tiffany with a sheen of sweat across her forehead. Zenigata and the governor look back at the mansion just in time to see an explosion coming from the back wall and the stretch limousine pulling away in a screech. As the limousine picks up speed, Parts of the car begin to fall off to reveal that it's the Fiat 500 in its own disguise, making their grand escape. The camera cuts the Jigen and Lupin inside the Fiat once more, and stuff in the back seat and coming out of the trunk are several solid gold Klansmen outfits. Good work wiring those explosive, Jigen. It was the easiest part of my day. Nothing better than stealing gold from a racist old man. Yep, and I even teabagged his daughter, just like I said I would. You did what? I dragged my balls across her forehead, like I wrote on the note. You were there for that, right? Wolf, that girl doesn't turn 18 until midnight. Jigen checks his watch. It's 10.30. Lupin's eyes go wide. So that makes me... Yup. Yikes. Sounds like I need one more distraction. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. The sparkling little diamond on your hand. It's plain to see that you are. You know, if I was going to bring Conway Twitty back into it, I had to end it on a, a Family Guy reference, but I've, uh, that was, that was quite something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. It's, uh, you know, two Northerners who are now in the South, we definitely don't have great Southern accents, unfortunately. <laughs> so I think uh, maybe all my bar patrons and my governor sounded kind of the same, but, you know, I guess we'll see that in post. But uh, now that we've <laughs> given another uh, run for the best, we're, we're trying to put this movie in the, the best of the best. We're trying to put this one on the Rushmore. So I hope you you found your sculpting tools on this one. So, uh, Dad, the Thief Rushmore. Does Lupin the Third beat out George Clooney as Danny Ocean in the Oceans franchise, Errol Flynn as Robin Hood in Adventures of Robin Hood, 
Clive Owen as uh, Dalton Russell, an inside man, and then Robert De Niro as Neil McCauley and Heat. Um, based on this movie, I guess I really can't. Because mm. all he did is steal a clingy 19-year-old's heart. Which yeah. Is like, In the end, that's all he got. Yeah. If he really wanted that so bad, he could have just got on Tinder and really just <laughs> thrown some super likes maybe. But... Nah. Yeah, I don't think he has a chance in this particular one. He's had some his larger capers, but Miyazaki kind of uh, neutered his ambitions in this one. Uh, the next up, we have the evil Count Rushmore. Does Count Cagliostro beat out Gary Oldman as Count Dracula in Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula? Christopher Lee as Count Dooku in uh, the Star Wars movies? Jim Carrey as Count Olaf in a series of unfortunate events? And then Max Shrek, <laughs> I don't really know how to say his name, Shrek, yeah, as uh, Count Orlock in Nosferatu. Um, I can't say that I can put him up there. I don't think so either. He is a creepy count, and he is maybe like a pedophile for holding Clarice in this tower for some amount of time. I don't really know how long it's been going on, but, you know, Count Olaf... Count Dooku, all these people are, are pretty... Yeah. Even Count Orlock, who is like an old... You just... You'd see it, and it's like, oh, this is definitely not going to be able to get taken off. So, sorry. That's that's two uh, strikes. Sorry, for, Count. Yeah. The, the Castle of Cagliostro is not uh, starting off strong. We do have a, another chance for Lupin, though. Uh, the best Wolf Rushmore. Does Lupin beat out Winston the Wolf Wolf from Pulp Fiction, who was... Uh, Ivan Yeah, thank you. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> White Fang. I think his name was like Jeb. That's what the fucking dog's name or whatever was. And uh, White Fang. Or Michael J. Fox as the titular Teen Wolf, which may or may not be a cop-out because he is like a werewolf, but <laughs> I wanted to keep him in there. It was either that or Balto. I don't know if you've seen Balto. Yeah, that, it's going to be hard to... Uh... I, I can't put Lupin up there either. I mean, you can't take a wolf off the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> the one wolf that we have would be, yeah, Michael J. Fox might be the weakest as like, but they're technically all just nicknames too. Yeah. Like DiCaprio is just the wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And then, you know, Michael J. Fox is a straight up werewolf. So yeah, I don't think Lupin has uh, much of a chance. And really, I don't think this. Uh, this Plus he was just, you know, it wasn't really his name. So yeah, it was a cop out yeah, of anything for exactly. this American dub. Which, illegitimate uh, freaking wolf. Yeah. Illegitimate watch for Sheen. Illegitimate fucking yeah. name for Lupin. <laughs> and then finally, we have uh, the movie Treasure Rushmore. Does the underwater Roman city beat out the magic lamp in Aladdin? Uh, the Templar's treasure in Nicolas Cage's <laughs> national treasure? Uh, the Holy Grail in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? And One-Eyed Willie's fortune in the Goonies? I'm going to say no. Um, and I had a problem with that in the end anyways, you know, it was just, it seemed sort of weird that Roman ruins is the actual fortune didn't. Yeah. It was like a, a treasure for humanity. Like that's such a stupid fucking yeah. Miyazaki thing. Like, and to like, you know, basically conceal it underwater. I mean, wouldn't it actually degrade it to some degrees, uh, degree? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, yeah, I had a, I was I, sort of a letdown in terms of the fortune. I, I was pretty unimpressed with the 
the last quarter of this movie, especially the ending. I mean, Clarice just declares her love. Lupin pulls out, obviously, at the last second, and they just have this big Roman fucking city to show off for it. Like, I don't know. It wasn't for me. Yeah. But, you know, that's why we're trying to do this on our own uh, own terms. We're trying to, I guess, just cast our straight-up own movie. We're doing a live-action Netflix recast uh, for Lupin the Third here. And, Dad, do you have a, a director that you think would be able to step right into the role? Yeah, I had problems with this. I really just couldn't think of a director that, you know, made sense here. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I, I picked Roar Uthag. <laughs> Is that how you say his name? I don't know. I uh, believe it. It it's, it looks like that, but <laughs> but he was the director of Tomb Raiders. Okay. With Alicia Vikander. Alicia, yeah. Yeah, Alicia. That's cool. I mean, that's that makes sense. It, it just because it sort of had that weird, you know, there was all these, you know, underground, you know, to, uh, you know, caverns and stuff. Yes, exactly. I had uh, Steven Soderbergh, who was in uh, the director for the Oceans franchise, and that movie has a lot of uh, cast of characters and kind of the same with Lupin. Although maybe it's only like four. Yeah, four I one. almost went that way too. I think that was a sort a of a heist one. movie type of thing, but mm-hmm. really wasn't a lot of stealing going on. But <laughs> not in this one. But hopefully in our uh, in our sequel script, it's not going to be as uh, PG. Maybe let's bring it back to the old Lupin. Yeah. Speaking of Lupin, who did you actually have as your uh, your wolf, your 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 gentleman thief? Um, I had used um this person before, mm-hmm. or this actor. Your Vega. Yeah. Was that what it was? It was, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Tyler Posey. Tyler Posey. Which I don't think is uh, your worst pick on this particular list. And there's some that I do like. I actually looked through this earlier, and I was uh, yeah. I was pretty happy with some of them. But Tyler Posey's fine. Um, I had uh, Andrew Garfield, who... I guess this will go into my uh, my pick for uh, the, the Clarice 2, maybe in terms of the discussion. But I think... Andrew Garfield just kind of looks like Lupin. He has that big, uh, yeah. that gangly sort of body type. He has the the type of humor that you might need for this character. Yeah, it's a good pick. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that one. Who did you have uh, as your Jigen? Steven Yoon. Fan favorite. Yeah. The internet's heartthrob, Steven yeah. Yoon. I'm, uh, I'm more than happy with that one. I think uh, Jigen maybe is a, a little bit tougher than what i've seen steven you do but i'm uh i'm down to let him try it out <laughs> i uh i had a kind of an obscure actor and i also had somebody who i might throw out there it was uh seya matsudo who was uh featured in the flash and the man in the high castle and this guy has had a few appearances like i said he only has like 500 followers on instagram but i kind of liked adam driver for this role yeah you know i had the same idea mm-hmm because, I mean, the facial hair but, obviously wasn't all the way there. But. I don't know. I felt like he was too... Because isn't Adam Driver like six-something? I just felt like he was too tall for the part or something yeah. weird. I, I wouldn't count... But it would have worked. Yeah. I wouldn't count out... Uh, you know, If I was just watching a movie with Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver, which I guess is just, what, silence? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Scorsese wants to do this one, but I think that would be kind of fun. Who did you have as your Fujiko mine? Blake Lively. I like this pick a lot. I think this was your best pick. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't had her in more stuff. I, I don't remember having her in any of these live action recasts. I don't think we're presented but with a lot of Blake I'm a characters. huge Blake Lively fan. And um, 
a huge Blake Lively fan? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I just remember her slurring through uh, the town is probably the most like prominent role that I remember her in. I mean, not so much for the acting, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like uh, Sadie, uh, yeah, Sydney Sweeney is to me. Uh, yeah, Blake Lively is to you. I had uh, another blonde favorite. I had Jennifer Lawrence, and I also had kind of a backup answer, who was uh, Melissa Benoist, who was a uh, Supergirl, who I maybe even like more than Jennifer Lawrence, but I think. You know, J-Law has the the action pedigree that you would need for a, a Fujiko mine, and especially in this one where she's the badass character in this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, if you can get Jennifer Lawrence to play uh, Fujiko, mm-hmm. all the power to you. Yeah, we definitely will have, uh, you know, contractual obligations not to exploit her too much. I don't know what kind of movie she's been nude in, but it won't happen on my clock. Yeah. All these women need to keep their clothes on. Uh, who was your Goemon? Uh... I uh, picked this one up off of you from last week. Mm-hmm. Mike Moe. Perfect. I love Mike Moe. I, uh, yeah, sometimes we're going to have uh, some familiar faces here for sure. I had um, Harry Shum Jr., who I don't believe I've used for really anything before, but he was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. and uh, I believe he's he's going to be featured um, either in the new Mortal Kombat or it's another Marvel movie. I can't remember which one it is, but... You know, Goemon is a is a is quieter character. I don't think he's going to be really required to do too much. And Harry Shum is is pretty jacked, and I'm sure he would be looking pretty cool with a samurai sword. So, I'm okay with that. Uh, I see some more familiar faces. Who is your <laughs> Inspector Zenigata? Yeah, I was I I looked for this for a long time, and I really just at the end I just went with my uh, crazy rich Asian. Yeah, your, your, your blue chipper <laughs> yeah just went to the crazy oh yeah henry golden yeah well yeah i mean henry golding should be in more movies he's a he's a handsome man and i'm sure he could be uh pretty fine zenigata in respect to the pick that i want uh with i kind of did my research on zenigata and there's different iterations of these characters obviously and i wanted my zenigata to be kind of more of a doofus and Randall Park, who uh, is known, obviously, from being fresh off the boat, and uh, Jimmy Woo in the, the MCU and WandaVision and all that stuff. But I think he has to have some sort of comic appeal to him searching after Lupin like this. So I think Randall Park would be able to step right in and uh, thrive. Yeah. Who is your uh, Clarice Cagliostro? Um, this one, too, I had a hard time. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't really, I mean, because I wanted to keep it Age appropriate, yeah. So um, Emily Al- uh, Allen Lynn, mm. I believe that's how you say it, and uh, she just got. I guess she's going to be in a, a new HBO Max series, Gossip Girl. Which they're I redoing think is, Gossip yeah, Girl. Yeah, they're doing they're redoing Gossip Girl. Wow, yeah. it's not like they can't just make new fucking you know, I know. IP. But well, good for Emily. Good for her being Clarice here. Well, <laughs> I, I felt like she had some new juice, so. Yeah, we do need some new faces yeah. uh, in our picks yeah. sometimes. And that's why I brought in uh, Mackenzie Foy, who is probably best known for being Murph in Interstellar. But she's like 20 now. I'm not crazy about this pick. I, you know, I was almost going to just throw Sophia Lillis or you know, your girl Sophia Sink in there. But I, I think I needed somebody Sadie? to know. Sadie yeah, Sadie Sink. Sink. Yeah. Sophia Sink. I know. I looked at her, too, and I'm like, eh. I just didn't think she had the, the right look for the part. But yeah. I mean, I remember Mackenzie Foy having uh, kind of reddish hair in Interstellar. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, you might be right. Because Jessica Chastain ends up playing her 
Right. So I think maybe in this picture she just dyed her hair. So right. Mackenzie Foy works for me there, at least age-wise, too. Uh, who is your, your creepy Count Cagliostro? <laughs> and I like this pick. James McAvoy? James McAvoy works for me, especially yeah. after seeing Filth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, I came about to picking him, because we had watched that movie, and I was like, oh, wow, I don't know. He just... I looked at that guy... Uh, the count's face, and I'm like, for some reason, James McAvoy came to mind. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm more than okay with that, and I kind of waffled between a few. I almost, uh, you know, pulled the trigger on Cillian Murphy uh, as my guy, or uh, something Brule. I can't even remember Daniel Brule, but I ended up going with uh, Chris Pine, yeah. who is uh, known for obviously Star Trek and Wonder Woman and a bunch of other stuff. But you know, having this this picture of when he was in uh, Hell or High Water with that big mustache, and I, I think he uh, has the baby blues too with yeah. uh, the count so well the the count's got that little pencil thin mustache i think he can trim this one down yeah. i mean i couldn't just find the one that worked but well mustaches are easy to do in hollywood so mm-hmm. i'm that might be one of my my better picks for this whole one and this last one for you i i can see what you're doing here but maybe you could explain <laughs> what you're thinking about who is your uh your butler jodo um jk simmons uh-huh i don't know i just you know Bald guy, thin face. Mm-hmm. But he has some intensity that maybe would bring Jodo to a like a different character type for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just know him from obviously like Whiplash and what was it? Uh, uh, Palm, Palm Springs. Springs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that movie. So I mean, if he's ready to maybe tone it down and be uh, the shriveling little Jodo, I'd be okay with that. I had uh, the Internet's dad, Stanley Tucci who is best known probably for being in the Hunger Games and the Devil Wear product. Yeah, when I saw that pick, I mean, I actually, it was like between the two of these guys. Really? I mean, I, well, I saw, I think I picked J.K. Simmons, and then I was like, oh. And I just said, out of hell with it, I'm staying with it. It's good to have some variety, at least in the, the casting room. Maybe not so many white dudes, but, you know, we're, <laughs> we're doing our best. The thing is, is like, obviously, I don't know if, how you did it, but I went, you know, bald actors. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to keyword it. I was just yeah. like doing like young and redheaded Of course, actresses. he came up and uh, Stanley came up. So, yeah, there's only a few. It's like him, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> and I saw that same picture you have here with that mustache. Really? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were we were on the same track then. So at least we uh, kind of found it. Obviously, they here. don't have the green hair. I mean, what's up with the green hair? Yeah, maybe that's a natural color in the in the Cagliostro nation. Yeah. I haven't didn't get a Miyazaki look. Miyazaki decided that I'm going to give him green hair. Yeah. Maybe that was uh, like a prank that the count put on him. Aside from him just having to be dressed by his butler, he just fucking was like, you know what, just dye your hair, Jodo. Or usually, doesn't that happen when you dye your hair too much? It turns like a green color, so. Maybe. Something like that. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he was a, an emo kid yeah. when he was growing up in like the 20s. Yeah. Uh, Dad, I mean, here we are. It's last call. I wow. uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think we just smashed that bottle. I think I blacked out maybe, but... The bottle's gone. the The bartender is uh, definitely trying to get us the heck out of here, but we're we're still waiting on an Uber, and we still got some questions. So, was there any questions you had for the director before we uh, are kicked out of this establishment? Um, no, I can't think of anything in particular. Yeah, I uh, I really only had two questions, and uh, one of them was the same kind of one that you had posited uh, during your spotlight is. Obviously, just why not use the bills that are counterfeit that have been sponsored by the government and are circulating? Like, at that point, it's just real money. Yeah. And uh, 
Are the Count and Clarice like related? Because that was something that I wasn't really sure about. Because yeah, it made it seem like they both have the same last name, but they were bringing the families together. I didn't, or something to that effect. I, yeah. I don't get it. I was very confused about that. It was maybe like I don't really know about royal families too much. Like, cause maybe she was like a duchess for some other family, yeah. but she was addressed as the Cagliostro, and maybe mm. that was because she was quote unquote engaged or something. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I digress. I, <laughs> that would be maybe even worse if they were related. Uh, it would be her, I mar- or Bernie, I married my, my cousin, <laughs> Stackhouse, in the count. Uh, Dad, we're outside. I'm uh, I'm about to jump in my Uber. I'm looking at you like uh, Bradley Cooper in, in A Star is Born. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm asking if you got anything to apologize for. You got any corrections or uh, any apologies? No, but what I meant to do was I remember we were t- <laughs> we were talking about drinking breast milk, yeah. And I had brought up that Friends had an episode and they were talking about it, mm-hmm. and I didn't not I did not look it up, but I, if I remember correctly, they said that I thought they said that the breast milk tastes like cantaloupe. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna have to correct that again next uh, next yeah. week. <laughs> I, this is something that you've done before where you like you half-ass look up what you yeah. were supposed to apologize for. I mean, I meant to do it, and I kept freaking getting distracted, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking at notes in errata now, and I'm like, ah, crap, I forgot. It's but okay. I I had remembered that I'm pretty sure, I want to say they said it tastes like cantaloupe. <laughs> Which is maybe not Which will be funny thing. as hell if I'm way off on that one. Yeah. I would have preferred it to be creamy than to cantaloupe, but, yeah. you know, I, I guess I'm not really having to drink breast milk but no yeah i think i'm uh i think i'm clean as a whistle on this one i don't think i've done anything bad this week <laughs> uh what was your your wine rating um to close this one out it was okay it was okay it yeah. wasn't the best just like this movie maybe just like this podcast we really yeah. don't know yet yeah, i guess you're right well i'm gonna give it three out of five counterfeit bills okay i'm gonna give it uh I'm going to give it two Cagliostro rings out of four. I really wasn't a fan of this one. No. No. Just like the movie, like I said, I'm uh, I'm dive bombing on this one. As old as it is, maybe it's a little too old. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it went sour. It's a five-year-old wine here. Yeah. Hopefully I don't puke in this fucking Uber as I'm going home. <laughs> but uh, if you guys are liking what we're doing, leave us a... Uh, a review and maybe a suggestion on our uh, iTunes review page, and uh, I'll straight up pimp you out. I've mentioned this before, but I'm uh, somewhat of a salesman on this podcast, so I'm uh, willing to do my part. Yeah, let's hear it. And uh, just like always, we have no idea what we're doing, and hopefully at the end we'll come up with something okay. But we're gonna see you guys next week. Bye bye. Bye bye, everyone. Don't.